Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. been looking after sheep for 40 years hasn't he some of you know that he's up the mountain and there's the burning bush who knows what the burning you've heard of this story haven't you okay there's a bush on fire but the the bush is not consumed you know what fire does it consumes whatever it burns but this bush is on fire but it's not it's not been consumed and it really in, interests Moses so he goes over to have a look and God speaks to him from the bush telling him what he wants him to do God, God's got a purpose for each and every one of us anyway Moses says who shall I say sent me because he's been asked to go to Egypt and to deliver Anybody know how many people? 40? No, more than that. 2 million. There's 600,000 men. Well, those men, most of them got wives. And they got kids. So when you add it all up together, it's been estimated to be about 2 million people. That's a lot of people. But Moses says, kind of, I'm paraphrasing, he said, okay, if I go there to talk to these men, the dads, the husbands, the elders, who shall I say sent me? Yeah? And God says, I am has sent you. Or I, and then he says, I am that I am. People don't normally talk like that. If I went round to Bob's house and knocked on the door and he says, I am. I say, hey Bob, what? You're Bob Minia. But God is saying, I am who I am. I'm everything. I am the Almighty. And this is his title. And uh, anyway, so, Yana said to me, what is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? So in the New Testament, what I just said was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we discover who I am is. It, it adds a lot more meaning. It adds more to what the Old Testament is saying. So Jesus, our Lord, is the great I am. And Jesus is making all these statements about who he really is. And we, I think we've been through about three or four, maybe four, this is the fourth one. So, uh, well, who can remember the first I am statement? Anybody that, that smart? Well, there we go. Look, pat him on the back, please. Go on. 
look at that. The Lord said, this was about four weeks ago now, I am the bread of life. That's what he said. And what does bread do? Sustains you. It nourishes you. It builds you up. It, it satisfies your hunger. If you're hungry, you eat bread. Toast. French bread. Sliced bread. Brown bread. White bread. What, any other bread? Soda bread. Pandasol. Filipino bread. Bloomers. You know what a bloomer is, don't you? It's a bloomer. It's like a rolled sort of... It's fatter than a French stick. My brother used to be a baker. He says, we need 25 bloomers, please, quickly. Then he said, the second statement was, I am the light of the world. And as light, he sanctifies us. In our mind, in our heart, he's working on us. He's changing us from one degree of glory to another. He sanctifies. That's what you do. And then last week, I said, he is, he said, I am the door. Does anyone remember this? And as a door, I remember I told you a, a joke, I think, about a bloke who jumped, who broke into a warehouse, uh, hardware. He got stuck in there because he couldn't find the right door out. Anyway, that's diversion. I am the door, he says. Anyone comes through me, he shall be saved. And that's where we get our salvation. We enter through Jesus. He is the door to life. And today, he says, I am the good shepherd. That's what we want, the good shepherd. I'll go to John's Gospel, chapter 10. John chapter 10. I'll read you a verse, just to back up what I'm saying. 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Who are the sheep? Thank you. We are the sheep of his pasture. And he is willing to be our shepherd and he says he gives his life. He is willing to give his life for the sheep. So good. When you evaluate this, who honestly is caring enough and loving enough to give their life for you? Is there anyone that you know? Well, that's what I'm saying, Liam. That's the answer. But is there anyone else? Would anyone else give their life to you? Mickey Mouse? I don't think so. Well, that's what people do. Families do do that. They do care and love their families. But here we have, you could search high and low. You could scratch your head until all your hair fell out. But there aren't, there's very few people that would ever give their life for you. So today, 
The Lord is revealing today who he really is in this statement. I am the good shepherd. He's revealing who he is. And today we're going to get to know a little bit more about our good shepherd. Yes? So, the good shepherd today wants to reveal his character. That's what he wants to do. And the Old Testament, I mentioned Moses, didn't I? Moses was a shepherd of sheep. He looked after Jethro's sheep. Yeah? And so, God is interested in sheep and God is interested in shepherds. It's another thing that goes through the scriptures. But the Old Testament prophets knew the Lord as the good shepherd. That's how they knew him. We've already quoted from Psalm 23. David wrote Psalm 23, didn't he, Dominic? So David was classed as a prophet. We've read it already, so I won't read it again. But he said, the Lord is my shepherd. See, David was a shepherd man himself, a shepherd boy. He looked after sheep, the family's sheep. But he would say, the Lord is my shepherd. That's a very, very noble thing to say. And it's a comforting thing. And it's a satisfying thing that somebody, somebody is looking after me. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is his shepherd. You know, shepherd, look after their sheep. They put their life on the line. David put his life on the line. When a wolf, a bear, a lion, I mean, they like lamb. I like lamb. Yes, we like lamb. They want to eat it. They get hungry, they want to eat a lamb. But it's a shepherd's job to protect the sheep. And David was very good with a sling, wasn't he? Any predator came anywhere near his sheep, well, he would get a stone. And he would scare the animal to protect his sheep. Isaiah said, Isaiah the prophet, he said in verse, Isaiah 40 verse 11, Dom, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. And a shepherd will take the sheep to green pastures. He will look high and low for a nice bit of green grass to feed his sheep. He won't take them down to a load of stinger nettles, a load of brambles, and say, that's going to poison my sheep. That's going to give them some serious indigestion. He wants to take them to nice green pastures. So, Isaiah is correct. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. And Ezekiel, let's go to Ezekiel. John's Gospel. Old Testament, Ezekiel, chapter 34. He is an Old Testament prophet. Hold on, mate. 34 and verse 11 to 16. For thus saith the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep. And seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so 
will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. I'll read on, verse 13. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and on all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pastures and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel and there they shall lie down in the green, in the gold, sorry, in the good fold and rich in, and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring back what was driven away and bind up the broken and strengthen what it was sick. There we go. This is interesting. Who's he talking to? Well, talking to the children of Israel. Does anybody know what happened in 1948 in Israel, in Palestine? The, 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 the Jews, they got their homeland back. And, and if, I mean, if you looked at the history books, the photographic history books, you see all these Jews from around the world going back to Israel. And they never had a nation. They never had their own nation ever since AD 70, when the Romans drove them out of Jerusalem, drove them out of Israel because it was their punishment for rejecting Jesus, the Messiah, the Good Shepherd. But the Word of God says he's bringing them back again. He's bringing them back. They've got their own nation. Anyway, we notice that word here, it is the Good Shepherd. He's not a bad shepherd. He cares for the sheep. A bad shepherd wouldn't care for the sheep. Nahum, the prophet, said, the Lord is good, chapter 1, verse 7. And if you remember that story in the, the Gospel of Matthew, the, in the New Testament, a rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Lord, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord Jesus said to him, Hey? Well, he didn't say hey. That's not in the word of God. But he said, there is none good. You call him me good. There is none good. Only God is good. It's interesting what Jesus is saying here because he is God. But he's not letting people know that too readily, too easily. But he says, only God is good. This is, this is quite a challenge for everybody because people like to think they're good. Everybody likes to think there's some good in them. Well, the Bible, the Bible, when you know the Word of God, when you understand from beginning to end and you examine it carefully, for example, Jeremiah, the prophet, said, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And that's not just one person's heart, that's all of us. I'm sorry to tell you that. 
The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Why? People want their own way. People want to have their cake and they want to eat it. And they don't want you to steal it off them. Because they'll give you what for? People want what they want, when they want, how they want it, anywhere they want it. They want a bit of satisfaction. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And the, Jesus is right. None of us are really that good. The only way we're good, I'm serious here, when God comes into your life and starts to show you how horrible you really are. I'm soft, that might offend some of you. But it's true. I've been a Christian, a believer, for 33 years. And guess what? I'm going to shock you. The things that go through my mind, I'm not happy with them. Why? Because some of those things are wicked. It's true. And I've been a Christian so long. The desires of my heart aren't always that pleasing. I need the Good Shepherd to control me, to sustain me, to guide me, to lead me. If he's not doing it, I'm in trouble. Mayette's in trouble. You're in trouble. And it's only because God is graciously working on me to keep me on the straight and narrow. How broad is the path to destruction? Anybody know? Is it that big? That big? That big? And, that, and the, the path to life? It's very narrow. And we want to get on it, don't we? Can we all get on it at once? Well, it might not be wide enough. We'll have to go in single file. Won't we? One behind the other. Well, you know what I'm saying, Bob? It's a narrow way. God can do miracles because God can cleanse my mind and God can purify my heart. He can cleanse the conscience. That's good, good news, isn't it? We know Jesus is Lord. And this is what sets him apart. It reveals his deity. Because he is good. He is the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. And it, it, it shows his divinity. In the Old Testament, no, 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 sorry, the New Testament. John 10, 11, we've read it already. John 10, 11, let's go back to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. 10.11 He said I am the good shepherd So The good shepherd He says it in this verse He reveals to us That he is willing To lay down His life For the sheep I am the good shepherd If you remember And the good shepherd Gives his life for the sheep. If somebody came up to you and you didn't know any of these things, you didn't have a clue 
about Christianity. You didn't have a clue about Jesus. And someone come up to you and they said, did you know that there's a guy called Jesus from Nazareth and he died on a cross for you? And you heard that, you say, did he? He died for me? What, 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 me? If you heard that, would it intrigue you? Would it, would you think, this bloke called Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth, died for me. Well, why did he do it? Well, I, I didn't know him, but he died for me. You're telling me this is true, right? Well, if the, I need to find out if you're, you're not telling me lies, are you? I want to know what the truth is. Would you not take time out of your life to say, I need to understand these things. I need to know why he died for me. What was his purpose? Why did he... What, did I do something good that he should die for me? Am I a noble person that I'm important to him or something like that? Am I his relative? Huh? A distant cousin, maybe? Well, if somebody... When I, and that's what I did all those years ago. When I found out these things, I thought, I need to know everything about Jesus Christ. I need to know why he did it. And I discovered he loved me. That's what it says. For God loved, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. It was in God's heart. This was before we were born. That it was in his heart that he should come and die on a cross. And God planned it. He, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, they sat down like you're sitting down today and they had a discussion about it. How shall we redeem mankind? How can we do it? Well, someone's going to have to die for them. Pour out their blood for them. Their holy blood, their sinless blood. Someone's going to have to do it. And Jesus did it. He gave his life for the sheep. He laid down his life. Well, if someone's going to do that, what am I going to do in response? That's a good question. What would you do in response? I'll tell you what I've done. I'll lay my life down for him. Isn't that a worthy calling? A worthy response? I think so. If, if you heard that Clint Eastwood done it, would you lay down your life for Clint Eastwood? Well, you wouldn't because he never did it. Yeah, he made a couple of good movies, killing the good, bad and the ugly, didn't he? <sighs> Hebrews, Dominic, 13. Hebrews 13 tells us something else about Jesus. It says this, 13, I think it's verse 20, Dom. Hebrews, just before James, chapter 13 and verse 20. Now, may the God of peace who brought 
up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. Now, did you notice something? I've been telling you, he's a good shepherd. That's what I've been saying all along. But this verse tells us he is the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And this great shepherd, he brought him up from the dead. Hebrews 13.20 He is described as the great shepherd because he risen from the dead. I'll tell you what, there have been many great people in this life, many great people in this world, and many of them rose from the dead. Not many, well not many, none of them at all! If, if, if you could search for all the great men of noble character throughout the ages, what you will find is that their bones are still in the grave. You know, there was a time, when I was a single man, I used to go gallivanting here, there and everywhere. Oh, it was hard to keep me, my feet on the ground. I used to like go and check things out. And one time I went down to St Paul's Cathedral. And underneath St Paul's Cathedral is the crypt. And guess who is buried down there? Anybody know? Horatio Nelson. He buried down there. And he did a noble thing. He saved the country from a few battles. But I'm telling you, his bones are still in the grave. And there are other noble people that have done noble things and their bones are still in the grave. It's only Jesus. And here we see in this book of Hebrews, he is the great shepherd because he was willing to die on a cross, to face death, which he did, death couldn't hold him down. Death couldn't hold him down. But why couldn't death hold him down in the grave? I mean, we've got, we've got two cemeteries in Hemel Hempstead. We've got Cottrells and we've got Woodwells. And we, all of us today, this afternoon, we could go for a walk around those cemeteries. And I'll say to you, can anyone find a grave where somebody's risen? That's a good thing to do, isn't it? We could even go to Highgate Cemetery, some famous people buried there, Karl Marx. Eh? Oh, don't worry about it yet. Ask me afterwards. Anybody risen from Highgate Cemetery? It's not been in the newspapers, anything like that. They're all there. They're still out. They're six foot under. Jesus is the great shepherd. That's what it said. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep. I'm so happy that God has revealed this to me that I am following somebody He's the great shepherd. Can I go wrong, Annie? I don't think I'm going wrong by following the great shepherd. Peter says, go turn over the pages to Peter, just before John. 
1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. 5 verse 4. Oh, I've gone too far. 1 Peter 5 verse 4. And he says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown or the crown of glory that does not fade away. So he's, one, the good shepherd, two, the great shepherd, and three, he's the chief shepherd. This is what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. He's the chief shepherd. And why is they referring him to the chief shepherd? Because he's coming back. I like that. He's going to return. When's that going to happen? I don't know. But I'm looking forward to it. The chief shepherd shall return and take us to be with him. And if we're brown bread, what does that mean? If we're dead, if we're in the grave, and he knows us, and we know him, what's he going to do? He's going to call your name, Mick Dipper. Mick, come up! You can have, even you could be dead ten years, but once you hear that voice, you're going to rise up. Any one of us. Are you looking forward to that day? Who wants to stay dead forever? Do you want to stay in the grave forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? No, some people do. Some people do. That's sad, isn't it, Bob? I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. All right, if I die, I die. But I'm looking forward to the resurrection. And that day will come. Mark my word. You know, like I was in Bournemouth. I went and done a bit of evangelism yesterday, Dom, down in Bournemouth. I enjoyed it. And I was giving out some tracts. It was a bit hard work, as you know. I prayed and prayed, Lord, there must be somebody that will take one of these. And this bloke, I went to give it to him. He said, no, mate, I don't want none of that. No, 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 no. Right? And he went off. And, and I still stood my ground. I was hoping and giving them out. And he was watching me. He was watching me from a distance. And then he, he came out from the shadows and he said, nobody cares, mate. Nobody cares. I thought, oh dearie man, I didn't expect that. But he's right. Nobody cares. They're happy to die. Well, they're not happy to die because they don't know where they're going to go to. But they're happy to live in the grave, die in the grave, forever and ever and ever and ever. Well, I'm not. I'm not satisfied with that. I want to live. I want to go to glory. I want to see Jesus Christ on the throne at the right hand of the Father. Don't you? I do. Shall we all go there together? And we can all... Jesus, it's us from no hope! <laughs> oh? Hey? Oh, Steve. I know.
people used to live where they worked, so there's no chance of going to wedding night city for a night out. So their whole life revolved around a very, very small circle. So in that circle, uh, there was plenty of time there was nothing to do. Steve, stop you there. I'll stop you there. There's a small circle here, mate. Yeah, I've got one thing to say. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. All right, we've got mobile phones, but in the old days they had pigeons. He used to tie a note to his foot and throw him somewhere and he'd go and give a message to one of your relatives. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. And, you know, what was evil 3,000 years ago, that same evil is here. And the temptations in those days, it's the same temptations we're faced with today. Everybody, they want their satisfaction. Alright? But it's the same, Steve. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, there are many pretty women in this life. Many beautiful women. And, and I say to myself, John, do not look. Just keep focused. Don't even... Don't give her the satisfaction, you know, that she's a pretty woman and she's dressed up like, I don't know, Kim Bassinger, for example, right? Is it Kim Bassinger? No, Kardashian, right? That's the one I meant. Kim Bassinger was 25 years ago. You understand? I won't look. All right, you read a newspaper and you see these pictures. You think, oh, not again. Anyway, let me move on, right, because of time. As a good shepherd... The Lord Jesus reveals his care. This is very interesting. We go back to John, chapter 10. Go back, he, this is chapter 10 and verse 3. What a verse. In one verse, he says so much about himself. Look at this. You want Jesus to speak to you? Can he speak to us? Well, it says here, look, verse 3. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Wow. He opens the door, because he says, I am the door. And when we come through the door to him, he says he, the sheep hear his voice. I remember I was telling someone the other day, yesterday, when I got run over by my pickup truck and I was unconscious and I was face down in the mud and the truck was on top of me, the engine was burning my head, burnt a hole in the back of my hair and I was laying in the mud, in the stinger nettles and a voice spoke to me, you haven't got long here. And I heard the I was unconscious. How could I hear that voice? That's a good point, isn't it? But my subconsciousness replied to the voice. I said, I haven't got long where. I didn't know what had happened. 
said, you need to deal with this quickly. I'm having a conversation with someone. I said, deal with what quickly? Because I didn't know what happened. Then the voice said, otherwise you're gone. I said, gone? Gone where? Then I woke up with these thoughts going around my mind. Who spoke to me? Who was trying to get me to get round to, to being revived? I'd, I'd had 23 broken bones. My lungs were punctured. My, my lungs were filling up with fluid. I was drowning. I was literally drowning in my fluid, my blood and water. Can you believe it? It's true. I heard a voice talk to me. By the grace of God, there was a bloke at the end of the road and I thought, I've got to get his attention. Oi, you! Can you see me? I shouted at him. I got his attention, all right. I passed out. I was so weak and feeble because of the truck had smashed me up. But two of them, they came over and they found me. And they got some more men. They lifted my truck up and wheeled it off me. It's incredible. Somebody talked to me in the most desperate hour of my life. They talked to me. He is the good shepherd and he speaks to his sheep. How incredible. In fact, there are three things that verse says. To him, the good sh- the shepherd of the sheep, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep, oh, he calls them by name. Isn't that nice? Bob, it's me, the good shepherd. He knows your name. Kieran, follow me. That's what Peter, James and John heard. Follow me. Steve, follow me. The good shepherd speaks, and primarily, I have to say this, he primarily speaks through his word. When we hear the word, it pricks our conscience. It pricks our heart. And we know we can't do anything else but follow him. He's the good shepherd. And it says, also says here, he leads his sheep. Verse 3. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He leads us. That's what the shepherd does. He guided us. Verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Are you following this good shepherd? Can you hear his voice? He's the good shepherd. He wants to protect us. Verse 12. Verse 11, verse 12. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming, could be the devil, coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. He leads us. He's the good shepherd and he stays with his sheep. Verse 13. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. He cares. That's what he does. 
You're not a hireling. Who takes off? Do you want a hireling as a pastor? Who's going to do a runner? You know that in the town there was a preacher, his name was Mr Marshall. I used to love listening to that man. He used to preach at the market. Down the market outside the Salvation Army. Do you know how long he was doing it for? 45 years. 45 years. He was the pastor at Alexander Road Congregational Church. And when we go to London, to the Metropolitan Tabernacle, you'll find a minister called Mr Masters, Dr Peter Masters. He's been there since 1970. That's 52 years. He's still going. Leading the sheep. Caring for the sheep. Good, isn't it, Bob? 52 years. He's still going. You know, we had a pastor. His name was Graham Warner. Oh, dear me. Why we followed him, I don't know. Split the church. He was there for four years at Jubilee. Split the church after four years. Went off with another man who was a homosexual, married with two kids, and they, they started another fellowship in Woodall Farm. And after, about, after a few years, this man, the one that we, was our pastor, left his wife and went off with another woman and had another bunch of kids with her. He was the, part, he was the shepherd. And then years later, the other bloke that took over left his wife and went off with a man to Denmark. That's not right, is it? Well, gee, uh, it's very sad. Some people are hirelings. And when it suits them, they'll take off. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. And we follow him. He is our Lord. He is the one who is able to give us eternal life. Verse 27 and 28 describe this. Here we go. 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. That's a comfort. These are comforting words that Jesus wants us to hear and to believe. No one else can do this. No one else can make these statements. Can they? Can you tell me someone who can make such statements? Listen carefully, right? So he's a good shepherd, and what he's doing, what he says, is he reveals the cross to us. In these verses, verse 15, he says this, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And he says, I laid down my life for the sheep. What does that mean? Is he going to lie down on the grass? Is he just going to lie down on the ground or on the floor? He don't, that's not what he means. What he means, he lays down his life for the sheep, meaning he's willing 
to be a sacrifice for the sheep. And that's exactly what he did. The cross, is, this is about the cross, because that's what happened. He was crucified. With all the pain, with all the suffering, with all the shame and the humiliation. None of us like to be humiliated in front of other people, do we? No one. But Jesus was treated as a criminal, even though he never ever did anything wrong. He took the place of Barabbas. You know the, the cross? Barabbas was meant to be crucified. It was for criminals. But the people said, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus voluntarily, voluntarily laid down his life. If he wanted to proclaim his innocence, he could have said to Pilate, I'm innocent, mate. That's how we might talk. Pilate, I ain't done nothing wrong. See that Barabbas? He's a murderer, he's a thief. He done everything wrong. He could have stuck up for himself. He kept his mouth shut. Why? Because he knew this is all about redemption. And it was all about having us forgiven for our sins. He did this voluntarily. Who else would do this? No one. No one at all. He was providing salvation for the sheep so that we could go to heaven, so that we could be redeemed by this, they call it the atonement. Well, what a word that is. Atonement at one meant. Yes? Three syllables, at one meant. It means that you can be at one with God because of this sacrifice on the cross. You can be forgiven. Blow me over. It's incredible. This is what he did. He provided salvation for all of us. Not just us, for the Jews and for the Gentiles. He did it all. Hallelujah. He has conquered death. I think it's uh, chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. He knew what he was doing. Before he was crucified, he knew exactly what he was doing. He said, therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life and yet I take it up again. What does that mean? It means I'm going to rise from the dead. That's what it means. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Incredible. Absolutely mind-blowing. And he says this, I think he says it, verse, is it in there? Verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This command are received from my Father. The Father knew, Jesus knew, exactly what he was going to do. It was thought through before it happened. Incredible. The cross, 
The crucifixion was in the Father's plan. And they did it. He said, I've got power to take it up again. He rose from the dead, the resurrection. He is able. He is able to give us eternal life. That when, I'm, when I put my clogs and you come to my funeral, you're going to come, aren't you? I hope you do. You keep your eyes on my grave, mate, because I ain't staying there. Some people might, but I'm not. Because when he comes, it says it, we know where it says it, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. There's going to be the sound of an archangel, trumpet, and, and the dead in Christ, what are they going to do, Dom? They're going to rise up. We're going to hear the sound. I want to be there with all of us, all of us together. We're up at Woodwells, yeah? It's up at the cemetery, up by the motorway. We'll meet at the gates, you know the entrance gates, yeah? We'll rise up, we'll stand, I'll be at the gates waiting for you, yeah? (laughs) He is able to give us eternal life. He is able to look after us because he's already gone through it. (coughs) He is able to guarantee a future. You know, it's it's very sad. (coughs) Excuse me. It's very sad. We get the, the, the politics. Boris got the sack, got knifed in the back, if you want people to believe it that way, you know, Rishi Sunak stitched him up, whatever. You know, it's the same old thing. They're going round and round and round in circles. In three years' time, it will be the same old story. Whether it's Liz Truss or or Rishi, we're going to hear the same rubbish. I'm telling you, I've had enough of it. This... This is our only hope. Our future is bright in Jesus Christ. I can't be bothered with hearing the same old story anymore. I want to hear this. I want to know that I've guaranteed that I've got a future for eternity in Jesus. I don't want to hear all this rubbish going around in circles anymore. I want to, I want to know facts. I want to know concrete facts that are going to sustain my body, my spirit, my soul forever. Don't you? Yes. I'm closing now. We can have a bit of birthday cake and a cup of tea. But do you know the Good Shepherd as your own? Is Jesus Christ your shepherd? That's what's important. Not whether you're in the Tory party or the Labour party. Forget that. Because there's no hope there. Do you really wonder whether the Lord loves you? Do you struggle with doubting? Stop it. Just stop doubting. Because he wouldn't go to the cross 
and rise again if he weren't sure about what he was doing, would he? If he, no one would do that. If they did not have the insurance that God was on their side, would they do that? Not on your nelly. But Jesus knew. Jesus said, I've got the power to lay down my life and I've got the power to take it up again. He was sure about it. No one would speak like that unless they weren't sure. Would they? It's a good thing to consider the cross. It's a good thing to think about the cross of Calvary. You're not thinking in vain. You'll be doing yourself a justice by thinking about these things because they have eternal consequences. Yes, they do. So don't doubt the love of God. And if you don't know him, please, I beg you, get to know him. Seek him. Knock on the door. It will be open to you. Ask. And it shall be given to you. Seek. And you will find the love of God that surpasses all understanding. And the peace of God that also surpasses all understanding. It will be yours. And that's what we want, isn't it? Amen. Father, we come to you today and we find satisfaction in knowing that Jesus Christ has died on that cross for us. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We thank you that you are the good shepherd who is willing to lay down his life for his friends, for the sheep, even us, Lord, at New Hope. We're just so grateful. Oh, Lord, while we're in a time of prayer, we think of Karen's friend who missed her birthday yesterday because her friend got cancer. She found out she got cancer and, and it broke her heart and she couldn't let her go to the hospital on her own, so she went with her. We pray, Lord, that even the people that we know, even our friends that are not here, even people they don't believe, they don't know, they don't understand, we pray that you would open their eyes. We pray that they would hear your voice. We pray that they would get to know you as the good shepherd. And that on that day, Lord, when the trumpet sounds, that the dead in Christ, that they shall be found in Christ. And that they would know eternity, eternal, eternity of life in heaven with you. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.